as you're turning in your Bibles to the book of Psalm, chapter 56, just want to say that it is a honor to be before you all once again, uh, praying for our uh, pastors uh, who are out of town at this time, that they have a safe uh, trip and return home and that the Lord will sustain them in all of their endeavors. But we're here to praise the Lord this morning. And so if you will stand to your feet as we begin to read the holy and matchless word of God. Psalm chapter 56. Beginning at verse 1, it reads, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down peoples, the peoples, O oh God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me, and God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. May God bless the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask that you will look upon us, your children, with the tender care that comes from your very nature. Lord, many of us are dealing with the issues of life and are crying out to you, O oh Lord, and asking for your mercy. So, Father God, I, I pray 
that you will help us, encourage us through your word, that you are for us, that we can place our trust and our hope in you. Lord, we need you this morning. We need a word from on high, Lord. Lord, we need you to speak this morning. Be with the preacher, Lord, that he may proclaim your word for your glory. And that you will be with all of us as we listen and seek to apply this word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he placed man in the earth in order that he may rule and reign in God's place. That he may do it in God's name. Unfortunately, man decided that he wanted to be the master of his fate and the captain of his soul. And he wanted to be in control. And through this rebellion, sin entered into the world. Now, sin, although God's creation, it was good, when sin entered into the world, sin caused a disruption in the relationships that man have with man. And it has caused man to act amongst each other in selfish ways, where everyone's grasping for power, everyone wants their own way. And we see this traced throughout the scriptures. That even when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, there were certain people of their group that decided that they wanted to have power. They wanted things to be about themselves. And God judged them for that. But then eventually there came a time where the Lord anointed a king for the children of Israel. His name was Saul. And Saul was a man who wanted everything to be about himself. He was a man more concerned with building his own kingdom rather than doing the things that God had called him to do. And for this reason, God had stripped the kingdom away from Saul and gave it to a young shepherd boy by the name of David. The Bible characterizes David as a man after God's own heart. And the Bible tells us that Saul, who was more focused on himself and building up of his own kingdom, when he heard that David was going to be the king to replace him, Saul began to get angry. And from that point on, the Bible tells us that Saul hated David and he wanted to kill David. 
And so after a few attempts on David's life, David eventually fled from Saul and he was on the run. And as he was on the run, there were some people who helped him, but there were also some people who betrayed him and sought to harm him. And so I'm sure that there were times during this this, this season of David's life where he felt that the whole world was against him. That he couldn't tell his friends from his enemies. He didn't know who to turn to. And have you ever felt that way in your life? That it felt like the whole world was against you? That all the troubles of life were coming your way and that the enemy was in hot pursuit of you? The question that we must ask is what should we do in those circumstances? And I think what the psalmist is telling us this morning is that we need to trust God. Simple as that. We need to trust God. Now, in Psalm chapter 56, the Bible tells us that this was a time that David was pinning. He penned this psalm during the time where he was fleeing from Saul. And so David, we have a lot that we can learn from from David and how he reacted to these particular circumstances in his life. And as we look at the first verse in Psalm chapter 56, it says, Be gracious to me, O God. David is crying out to God, asking God for mercy, asking God to Look at his situation with his tender care and his love. David is in the midst of a trial in his life. And David, although he was not perfect, the thing that set David apart from many other people in the Bible is that when David knew who he needed to turn to when times were rough, He knew who he needed to depend on. And so David is calling on God for help. He's calling on the only one who can truly save him. Who do you typically call on when you are in a rut? Oftentimes we call on substances to dull our senses that we do not have to Face the issues of life. Sometimes we turn to money or or food or or sex or our children or a person. But quite often we will find ourselves still wallowing in our mess and we're wondering why is it that I am still broken? But when we look at the life of David, we see a representation of what God would want the man and the woman of God to do in times of trouble. And that is that we should trust God 
Because we have enemies. We believers ought to trust in the power of God because we have enemies. And the enemy is on constant attack. Look at the verses, if you will, in verse 1 it says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples me all day long. An attacker oppresses me. Verse 2. My enemies trample on me all day long. Verse 5. Skip down to verse 5. It says, all day long they injure my cause. David is expressing a sense of desperation and, 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 and frustration here. That, 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 that the enemy seems to always be on his job. That he never lets up. And, and, and you hear from these words a sense of exhaustion. David is being, David is tired of being chased by the enemy. He, his soul is being, is tired from being vexed by watching over his back, looking who, seeing who is trying to get at him. Trying to figure out who he can trust. And so David is, is, is weary because I don't know if you know this, but the enemy never takes a vacation. That, that, that because we are the children of God, just because you get a little tired, that don't mean that the enemy is going to sit there and wait for you to get yourself together. I lived a, a, a different type of life uh, before I surrendered my life to, to God. And a part of that life had to do with my foolish and sinful uh, activity of, of, of getting in, in fights a lot. And one of the things, well, when I was still naive, I thought that in the midst of a fight that if I needed to tie my shoe, the enemy was going to sit there and wait for me to get myself together. But I come to realize that that didn't work me telling him to hold up for a minute. That I just have to go, I just got to go on. That shoe just going to have to come off. And so this is what we have to understand that the enemy, just because we're tired, just because we're frustrated, just because we're beat down, the enemy isn't going to stop coming at us. And, and, and oftentimes we will get weary. And that's why we need a strength that is outside of ourselves. Because we can't face the enemy on our own. We just do not have the strength to do that. Because the Bible tells us that, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That he will mount them up on wings of eagles. That they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not grow faint. And so we need a power that is outside of us to come in us and help us because the enemy is on constant attack. He doesn't take a break. He's he not taking a lunch break to give you a break so you can get yourself together. Actually, the, 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 the crazy thing about the enemy is, is that when he sees you at your weakest point, that's when he's bringing the most forces to attack you. And we have to be 
We, we have to understand this because the enemy is never going to stop. But, make, but what makes this even worse is that oftentimes the enemy seems to be winning at the moment. If you look at verses 1 and 2 once again, it says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. These, these verbs in this particular text are in the present tense. That means that it's going on right now. That, that, that the enemy, is, is he has the upper hand right now. That, that David isn't talking about something out there. He's talking about something that is actually going on in his life. And so, so, so the, the question that we may ask ourselves is, is, why, Lord, are you allowing this to touch my life? It may be something that, that you hear, you sit back there and, and you hear the preacher talking about troubles coming in your life, but it's a different story when you actually got trouble in your life. And you're looking at God and you're asking, like, is there a God in heaven that actually cares for me? Why would he allow this to come into my life? Why does it look like the enemy is, is winning at this moment? But I would venture to ask you, have you ever heard or read of a story that was sort of like this? Where it looked like the enemy was winning in the beginning. But then in the end, we see a victory from the one that looked like he was defeated. I don't know about you, but when I think about this, it, it makes me reflect on this on this place called Calvary. Where, where our Lord was, was beaten and he was spat on. And from the world's point of view, it looks like he was defeated. But God was crushing his enemy right at that moment. And so there are times in our lives that we have to realize that, that, that just because it looks bad on the outside. That we have to have the faith to know that, that God is still in control. But, but, but. He doesn't, the enemy doesn't just want to harm you. The enemy actually wants to destroy you. Look at verse 6, if you will. It says, they stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. They have waited for my life. See, oftentimes we like to play around with the enemy. We, we like to tiptoe in the enemy's camp and, and try to, you know, rub shoulders with the enemy thinking that we're going to leave away untainted. You see, we like, to, we like to play with sin because we don't think that sin is going to hurt us. That I, I can mess with it for a little while. I, I can get in and get out. Ain't nobody going to see me. It ain't going to hurt me. But, but but what God is trying to tell you is that the enemy is not your friend. Sin in your life isn't there for your entertainment. Sin is there to kill you. And oftentimes we, we tell our children, don't, don't accept the gifts 
from a stranger that you don't know. Because those gifts have an ulterior motive behind them. We, we, we teach our children and we tell them that I know that the puppy sounds good. I know that the candy looks tasty. But you have to be of a state of mind to know that you don't know what this man is trying to do to you. So you need to refrain from that and come to me if you want a puppy. Come to me if you want candy. Come to me if you want happiness. And so this is what God is telling us that we keep turning to the world. Trying to get satisfaction. Thinking that the world is there to entertain us. That it's innocent fun. That I'm just going to get mine and then you can get yours. But the Bible is telling us that the enemy is setting a trap. He's setting a trap for us. And, and, and it's telling us that, 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 that they, 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 they stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps. He's looking at you. He, he's seeing the things that catch your eye. And he's saying that I'm going to set him up one day with that. And so that's why we have to be connected with our father. That he will empower us to overcome these temptations. And when we are attacked, we must trust God because he is for us. Trust God because he is for us. We, we, we must look to God to avenge our enemies. Look at verse 7. The Bible says that for their crime will they escape and wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You see, oftentimes we like to take matters in our own hands. We like to avenge ourselves. He stepped on my shoe. I'm going to step on his shoe. He stabbed me in the back. I'm going to stab him in the back. So oftentimes, we like to play this game of, of, of payback. We, we, we want to pay back our enemy, but the Bible tells us that leave vengeance in the Lord's hands. He will take care of your enemies. The Bible says, he says, in wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. God is a just God. God sees what happens to his servants and God will repay. The Bible tells us that you will reap what you sow. And so we must leave vengeance in the hands of our just and holy God. He, he, it, 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 but it's, it's, it's hard to do that when we're going through. But brothers and sisters, what I want to encourage you with this morning is that God hears the cry of his people. God hears the cry of his people. Look at verse 8. It says, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And I know many of us, we have had sleepless nights. And we have had cloudy days. 
But what I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that God sees your cry when you're crying in the midnight hour. That God sees your tears. That God sees what you are going through. Oftentimes, see, what the enemy tries to tell us is that God doesn't care about us. That, that he's just up there. Not, he doesn't even care what's going on in your life. But brothers and sisters, things may not seem like they're changing at the moment. But God sees your tears. It says that he have kept count of my tossings. God sees you when you're rolling in the bed at night crying about your family and, and your loved ones. God sees you when you are on your knees in tears, broke down, not knowing what you're going to do. God takes a record of this. He says, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? God cares about the tears of his people. We, we think it's amazing because the Bible says that that every hair on our head is numbered. But the Bible here is telling us that our tears and our tossings is in the record books of God. That he sees the struggles that we are going through. And God cares for us. And in a beautiful way we see from the life of Jesus this emulated. Turn with me if you will to the book of John chapter 11. And we're going to see how Jesus embodies the love of God. That the things that are, let me put some flesh to the things that we're talking about here. You want to see how it looks that your father actually cares for you? And he actually listens to your cries and it actually affects him? Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 11, verse 28. It says, speaking of, of Jesus, says, when she has said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then with the shortest verse in the Bible, it says, Jesus wept. My brothers and my sisters, just as with Mary and Martha, it may not seem like the Lord cares about what's going on in your life. It may seem like he is away in a far land. But my brothers and my sisters, God sees your trouble. And he is deeply moved by the things that are going on in your life. We don't serve a God that sits in the heavens indifferently. 
Like God actually cares what is going on in your life. And he cares what is harming you. And this should be, and, and this should bring comfort to us. But, 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 but not only can we cry out to God. And not only does he hear our cry. We call on God because he is for us. Look at verse 9. It says, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. My brothers and my sisters, the only way that we're going to be able to make it through the troubles that come in our life is that if we can say with faith that this I know, that God is for me. This has to be the refrain that is going on in your life. When trouble passes your way, you can just repeat with yourself, I know that God is for me. When sickness touches your body, you can still look up to the heavens and say, I know that God is for me. When the enemy is in hot pursuits, he's on your tail. You can cry out to God and say, this I know. That God is for me. And, and we see this, this, this refrain even in the New Testament. Where Paul says that if God be for me, who can be against me? If God is on my side, my enemies will not prevail. If God is on my side, the enemy cannot defeat me. If God is on my side, I have nothing to worry about. If God is on my side, I can sleep at night. And this is the only way that we can do this. And this uh, calls us to go into worship. We, 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 we should, when, when we know that, that, that the one who holds the world in his hands is on our side, that should cause us to break out in an almost uncontrollable worship. That, 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 that the king of the world is on my side. But, but, but we, when we think about worship, we, we must trust God by how we worship. So, so, so yes, we, we need to worship God, but, let's, but, but we, the, the, that we can demonstrate our trust to God even by the way we worship. The Bible says, or it teaches us that, that, that delighting in the promises of God removes all fear. Look with me, if you will, in verse 10. It says, in God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? David was in a situation in his life where the one who had all power, at least from a worldly standpoint, was trying to get him. But, but David did not let that defeat him. He, he says that, that in God, whose word I praise. So he, he's delighting in the word of God. He, he, he is saying that, that, that when I think about the goodness of Jesus, 
And, and all that he has done for me, my, my, my soul, it may be in, in trouble, but it has the power to cry out hallelujah because I thank God for saving me. This is the refrain that, that the word of God bubbles up in the believer's heart. And this is why the Bible tells us that we need to delight in the word. Do you delight in the word or is the word a burden to you? Many of us say that God feels so distant and that, that we don't feel the presence of God. Where, where is God in all of this? Why isn't he here? Why, why can't I hear a voice from heaven? And what God is telling us is that he is talking to you in his word. If you want to feel the presence of God, get in his word. God is near. To those who love him. God is near to those who praise his word. We have to start looking at our Bible reading as worship. We, we oftentimes look at Bible reading as, as a labor. But we got to look at the Bible. Reading the Bible as a form of worship. Because when I step. When, when, I, when, when the chaos is going on all around me. And I got things pulling me from left and right. I got responsibilities. I got my child crying in the back. I got people calling me on the phone. When you can set to the side and say, I'm going to block all of that out. And I'm just going to read and, and sit with the word of God. You are demonstrating that you don't trust in yourself. You trust in God. And that you understand that you need the word of God in your heart to strengthen you. See, a lack of Bible reading is a sign of pride. A lack of Bible reading is a sign of pride. You think you're self-sufficient. You think that you can do this on your own. But the Bible is telling us that we have to delight in the word of God. This is how we're going to trust in him. You trust in him when you start recalling the promises of God in your mind. But you can't do that if you're not reading your word. We, we, we have to, if, if, we don't, if we're dealing with fear in our lives, we need to delight in the word because this is what David is saying. He says, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? And then he starts thinking back to the stories in the scriptures of the Lord delivering the children of Israel. When, when the enemies were, were, were upon them and, and they had them between, they, they were between the sea and the armies of Egypt. And, and, and David was able to reflect because of his knowledge of the word he said that when all else, when all hell was looking like it was breaking loose, God was able to come in an impossible situation and deliver his people. And this is the faith that the Bible builds up in us. That although we, it looks like we got the sea over here and the enemy over here, we can say that our God is able to open up the sea and give us a path to make it through. Our God is a God who gives us faith and strength through his word. And we have to learn to depend on it. Do you delight in the word or is it a burden? We need the word of God to survive as believers. But also we need to worship God. I like this. In the past tense. We need to worship God in the past tense. Look at verse 12. In the first half of verse 13, it says, 
I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. You see, David, he was able to give a vow to God before the, the deliverance had even come. He was able to vow. He, he took a vow knowing that God was going to be faithful to his word. He says, and he says, you have delivered me. You have delivered me. So when we worship God, we need to worship God in a way that says that, Lord, I may not see it right now, but I know if your word says it, you have already delivered me. You have brought me through. You have got me over the mountaintop. This is the faith. This is the faith that the word of God develops in us. And he says that you have delivered me. You have delivered my soul from death. It's already done. We, we need to start worshiping God like our prayers are already answered. It's already done. Lord, I know you faithful. I go, I make a vow. I know you're faithful. I know that you're going to come through. I know who you are. But lastly, we should yearn for God's presence in our worship. The latter half of verse 13. It says, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. David is yearning for the presence of God. He wants to be in the presence. He says, I, I may, that I may walk before you. It, it, it reminds me of another passage of scripture where David is saying, as, as, as a deer pants. For water, my soul pants for you, oh God. We, we, in our worship, like, like, do you have a dying thirst for the presence of God? Do, do you just desire to be in his presence? The heart of a believer desires the presence of God. We, we, we have to, we, the Bible says, yeah, though I walk through the valley. Of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. David is, is, is oftentimes saying that, that the Lord's presence is the thing that brings me comfort. And so because of this, because of this, we believers have to have a desire for the presence of God. But the only way that we have access to this presence is through the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't have the presence of God outside of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are in sin and that, that we fall short of his glory and that our God is a holy God and that he cannot stand in the presence of sin. And so the only way, if, if you truly desire the presence of God, you have to turn to Jesus. That's the only way that you can get to God. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus is the only way. If you desire God, you have to desire Jesus. You, you can't get to God. The Bible says that he who does not have the son does not have the father. 
But he who has the son has the father. So it's a package deal. You, you got people who are seeking to get to God on their own, in their own way, and saying forget about Jesus. But the Bible is telling us that Jesus is the only way that we have access to God. And so we must turn to him. In the story we see, or in the context of, of, of this passage, we understand that, that Saul eventually died. It wasn't David that killed Saul. It was God that killed Saul. And so Saul eventually died and David became king. But David is a perfect example of why we can't hope in a human king. Because although David was after God's own heart, David, number one, he, was, he wasn't perfect, but David also died as well. But he had a descendant that came from, from, from the root of the stem of Jesse. And he came down 40 and some odd generations. And he was crucified for our sins. He was put to death for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. And so if you want peace in your life, if you're looking for who to turn to, my brothers and my sisters, turn to Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we are grateful for your love toward us. We are grateful that we serve a God who's not Ignoring our suffering and our cries. The world tells us that we should suck it up. The world tells us that we shouldn't show any emotion. But God, you see our cries. And we thank you for that. We thank you, O Lord, that, that we have a high priest. That, that is able to, to understand our suffering. Because it was for the joy that was set before him. <laughs> he endured the cross. Despising the shame. So Lord we thank you that we have a comforter. That could be with us through our troubled times. Lord remind us that we need to turn to you to depend on you, and to trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.